Welcome in to the At The Yard podcast presented by Prep Baseball Report California. We've got a loaded show for you today. Leading things off is Blaine Clemens. He's going to take us through the SAC Joaquin and the North Coast section playoffs as they head into its final week. We're going to head over to the Central Coast section with Ryan Ozella as they head into their final week of the championship bracket. Before we take you on the San Diego Swing with Jack Shannon, and we preview the big games going on in the San Diego section this week. Stay tuned for that show coming up next. Welcome back to the At The Yard podcast presented by Prep Baseball Report California. Pleased to be joined by Blaine Clements, NorCal Scouting Director. Blaine, the SAC Joaquin section, it's getting down to the nitty gritty. You saw a few games last week. Uh, Why don't you uh, take us through what you saw? I saw the one game last week, Les, but I was really looking forward to seeing Turlock all season long as I had not, um, had not gotten out there to, uh, to see them. Um, some rain and some other things uh, precluded uh, being able to see the Bulldogs, but uh, I did get to see them in a playoff game. Uh, you know, they're really t- one of our more talented teams, I thought, in Northern California with, uh, you know, some, some 2020 talent that's exceptional in uh, both Cole Kerrig and, and uh, Steve, uh, Tyler Soderstrom. And, they traveled up to uh, Sac- was it Carmichael to take on Jesuit. Uh, I think that day it was the only game uh, that got in anywhere in Northern California, to my knowledge. Uh, it was rainy, obviously. We've all been dodging some drops of uh, some rain here and there. But Jesuit has an artificial surface infield uh, that drains really, really well. Uh, and Turlock made the call uh, earlier in the day that they were going to they were going to set, they assessed it. They said, we're getting on the bus. We're coming. So, uh, they got the umpires out there and they played the game. Uh, and it was, it was a good one. Uh, it was uh, nip and tuck. Um, my gut feel going into it, knowing, knowing Turlock's offensive talent and knowing that Jesuit has, has really kind of struggled to, they've struggled to score runs this year. Uh, it's been really no secret. Their pitching staff has, has been great, but their offense has, uh, has struggled. Um, and so my gut going in and early on, it kind of looked this way is, is that Turlock would, uh, would take this one. They had a, had a senior on the mound, Casey Carr, who'd only given up two runs the entire season. He's a left-hander. Uh, to my knowledge, he's going to Cal State Stanislaus. Um, and so I thought this guy could uh, certainly give Jesuit uh, some fits. And, and and it played out to be, I want to say, I think it was a 4-2 game that Jesuit eventually won. Uh, they started Andy Owen on the mound, uh, and he was uh, he was really good. Um, Turlock did scratch across a run early. Uh, Jesuit... Uh, kept hanging in there. They, they put some runners on best uh, on base. Turlock got another run. It was two zero. And I felt like at that point, standing with some of the dads and fans, I felt like it was, I felt like it was going to be really tough for Jesuit to battle back, but, uh, they did get, they did get some breaks. Um, we recapped it online in an article, uh, Owen's Owen held tall. Um, and then they brought in Carter Benbrook who, uh, came in to pitch in the top of the fifth and went the rest of the way. And he was fantastic. And on top of that, uh, he also had a two run double, um, to give the uh, Jesuit team uh, a 4-2 lead. So uh, the, the UC Santa Barbara-bound uh, Benbrook had a, a great day on the mound. Um, and then, he uh, again, he, he, he had the swing of the bat that uh, was the difference in the game. So Jesuit moved on in a tough one, 4-2 over Turlock. Yeah, and Jesuit uh, moved on in a tough one again uh, yesterday in a 1-0 game. Uh, so Jesuit, a team that started – high in our power 25 rankings fell out of them uh is making a climb back up there and as yeah, you mentioned yeah. to me a few weeks ago i mean they're starting to get hot at the right time 
They are. They are. They beat Folsom 1-0 yesterday. Cade Pilchard was outstanding. He went, he went CG. Um, you know, I saw Cade. We saw Cade down in Fresno uh, in the Easter Classic, and it was a game. I'd seen him pitch a number of times. It was a game I felt like. I felt like I watched the young man. He's a senior. He's going to Cal State Northridge. I felt like I watched him kind of turn a corner in that game down in Fresno. I felt like I saw some bulldogness show up. I felt like I saw um, some pitching through some, some ten- uh, adversity show up. Um, I really felt like in about the fourth inning of that game, I remember even commenting because I was sitting with a Cal State Northridge coach, Tony Asaro, and we were watching him. I said, hey, man, I think he's, I think he's taking a leap right now. I, I think he's doing some different things that you've been looking for, Tony. And Tony was really excited by what he saw out there too. So, and then I talked to a Jesuits pitching coach, John Susak. Uh, he, he said the same thing. He said, Blaine, he said, this kid is just, he said last year in this game, I don't think, I don't think we, uh, we could have counted on him. He said, but he has flipped it. He has changed his whole, uh, way he goes about things. He said, this is a senior leader for us who, uh, the team takes a lot of cues from him. And John was super happy to, to see Cade's, Cade's outing yesterday. Again, one run, I believe it was Will Asby doubled, uh, to walk it off. Uh, for Jesuits. So, but this team at this point now in playoffs where all the games are generally tight, uh, nip and tuck, and, and they've struggled to score runs, uh, they're not afraid of being in close games. Uh, the pitchers are now understanding that we're going to get seven, eight runs like some other teams, and we're going to get one to four. Uh, four is a luxury. It's almost like the 2010 San Francisco Giants in, in some ways. Um, so they're used to being in close games. Uh, it doesn't phase them. Uh, it can rattle some pitchers, but these guys, again, it's been all year long in the offense. Uh, they could be frustrated. They could be uh, upset. But, you know, they're figuring out how to get just one or two runs instead of swinging to try and get seven and getting zero. So uh, they are moving in, a, in an interesting direction. Uh, it, it's not an easy way to win, um, but certainly exciting. Yeah, you talked about those tight games. Uh, you know, we we had Ryan on the podcast earlier, and he talked about, I believe it was Lee up in his area, played a bunch of t- tight games and you know all season and they're heading into the final four i feel like that sets you up perfectly for this time of year because you're accustomed to it like you said you you kind of know what the expectation is from you you know offensively and on the mound you know i i kind of like that what's your take on that yeah that's it's funny that's exactly what uh, john john and i susak spoke about this morning about his game is that you know they're heading up they're, they're heading into play vacaville and vacaville is a really offensive team they're really athletic they're really talented uh, they really grind uh, they're a fun high school team to watch, but you know, and they won it last year, but their, their league isn't quite as top to bottom as strong as what Jesuits played in the schedule. The Jesuit played this year was really strong. I just think it's, it's no doubt about it that, um, young people, uh, young players in all sports, the tighter it is, um, sometimes they don't know what to do with it. A, a lot of kids will play on uh, certain teams that might be, uh, top heavy in talent and they walk over other competition. And then, once you find yourself in that spot of uh, having to uh, press through and having to stay calm and have, have a steady hand and handle tough calls from umps or handle uh, just that there's, there's no substitute for it. Um, That's why a lot of the best teams, if you look back on the seasons and you look at a De La Salle or Vacaville or Jesuit schedule, um, Valley Christian, you see these teams will test each other against other really good teams. You know, uh, uh, Valley Christian played, uh, Orange Lutheran, right? They came up here to play. So these teams in early season uh, competition, they're trying to prepare their best players. Their players are going to need uh, down, you know, two, three months down the road uh, for those for those heated situations. So I think there's zero doubt about it that it can only help. Obviously, it's not a guarantee. If, if you're a if you're an overwhelming offensive team, um, you know, that's also talented on the defensive side, you run into one of those schools. Um, you know, they're they're going to be fine winning a game seven to two. Um, 
but I do. I think I think the uh, the tight games are are uh, they're really what you look for as far as baseball competition. It's what college coaches when they go to go to games, they go to high level uh, you know tournaments in the summertime or, or this time of year. They they're looking for the kids who uh, who can perform in those scenarios. Yeah, and it's all about preparation for the postseason, and we're in the thick of it. So let's jump into the Division One uh, Sac Joaquin section. Uh, what do you got? What do you see happening this week, and with the games that uh, that are, or pardon me, with the teams that are remaining? Well, yep. what's what, what's going down? So the Sac Joaquin section is a fun one in the sense that um, once you reach the uh, semifinals, uh, there's also a losers bracket. So it's not just a straight bracket, you know, one one and done. So. Uh, Vacaville pounded McClatchy. Uh, McClatchy was a 12 seed out of Sacramento that had, that had gotten through to the semifinals with wins over Davis and Grigori. Um, they've scored a bunch of runs, uh, but they came across a Vacaville team that uh, is seasoned, uh, is talented, and, and Vacaville put it to them pretty good. I want to say 13 to one. Uh, we talked about Jesuit uh, defeating Folsom in a, in a one to zero game. Uh, so those two teams will meet at four o'clock um, on Wednesday uh, at Sac City Junior College. Um, don't know who's on the mound right now for Vacaville. Uh, word on the streets that it very well could be uh, senior Devro Harrison. Uh, good chance that Jesuit, um, they, they've got, uh, they got the young Susak, they got Tonk Susak ready to go if they choose to go in that direction. Um, they've also got Carter Benbrook uh, ready to go if they choose to go in that direction. I would suspect they'd probably go uh, with Tonk, who's a, he's a, he's a pitcher only, uh, whereas Carter's also depended on uh, in the lineup at times to, to, to hit, uh, not at times. I mean, he's one of the most impactful hitters on the team. So, and then in the semi, in the, in the losers bracket, McClatchy and Folsom will face off on Wednesday at seven o'clock also at Sac city. So the losers of those two games will again play on Thursday. And the winner of that game uh, will be in the championship against either uh, Vacaville or Jesuit. And, and we tried to, uh, we tried to lay this out a couple weeks back or last week when we spoke. And um, I was not a great predictor. Uh, Nostradamus is not going to be losing his job to me uh, anytime soon in terms of predictions, but this is one we did. We did speak and uh, had had the chalk going through, had Vacaville uh, against Jesuit in the final. So, um, you know, if I had to predict, uh, I, I think I think I have Vacaville's got to be the, the the school for me. I think in these games where they also have a good a good start, they have talent. Uh, they just have more offense. Um, so I'm going to go with them, the Bulldogs, to break through to the final, and then we'll see what happens in the losers bracket between McClatchy, Folsom, and Jesuit. Yeah, that's a good pick, and I'm with you. the The offense is is really the separator there for Vacaville compared to Jesuit, at least what we saw uh, in Fresno with that being, you know, those three games being my only viewing of them. Uh, but yeah, let, let's jump into D2. What do you see in D2? Uh, what, what are the team, who are the teams remaining and what, yeah. what, uh, what do you see happening? So they're in the same scenario they've gone through now. Uh, they, they have the, the, the winner's bracket final uh, ready to go, uh, which will be, which actually be today uh, out at American River Junior College out in Sacramento. Uh, that's going to be Oakmont, the number one seed. We saw it in Fresno. Um, we've had them in and out of our, our, our Power 25. I think we've got them in there now towards 23 or so. Uh, really athletic team. Uh, catchers, uh, Blatnick, fantastic. Uh, the shortstop pitcher, Nichols, um, fantastic. His older brother, the pitcher, very good. Um, we saw a lot of good players. They're playing Del Campo in the winner's bracket final. That's uh, I believe it's seven o'clock tonight. Uh, if, if the weather uh, allows it to take place, and Del Campo is the defending champ. Um, they have some athletic players. We mentioned uh, on a podcast previously a center fielder named Mason Poisson, um, who's an impact player. And in one of the earlier games, uh, I believe he walked it off. So uh, they've got some good young pitching at Del Campo. They obviously have a coaching staff that's experienced and has taken a team uh, to a title just last year. 
those two teams broke through uh, to the winner's bracket final uh, by defeating um, uh, Del Campo beat Wood Creek, uh, who's had a very strong season. Uh, I just think the offense for Del Campo is a little bit more overwhelming than what Wood, Wood Creek can run out there. And a team I do like, uh, and I would not be surprised to see them back in the final game, is uh, Oakmont defeated Bella Vista. Uh, Bella Vista's got good pitching. They have uh, good hitting. They have athleticism uh, up the middle between catcher and center field. Um, and shortstop, they are very talented, uh, good with the gloves and athletes. So uh, you got Wood Creek BV today at four. Um, winner of that game faces the loser of Oakmont Del Campo. From what I saw of Oakmont last, I'm going to I'm going to take Oakmont uh, to carry this thing out. Um, but I'm going to expect a dogfight there against Del Campo today. Yeah, I, li- I like that pick with Oakmont too. That's a pretty loaded ball club uh, from what we saw. Let's shift gears over to the uh, North Coast section, Blaine, and uh, some pretty big games today. Uh, win Division One with De La Salle versus Foothill and uh, Amador versus Heritage, where you will likely be going, weather permitting. Uh, mm-hmm. Why don't you break down those couple of games for us? So the De La Salle Foothill matchup is a it's a rematch of a conference game. They're both in the East Bay Athletic League, the EBAL um, conference. Uh, earlier this season, De La Salle beat Foothill on April tenth, seven to six. I want to say uh, Devin was even at that game. I believe he was. Um, they're going to go with. Uh, uh, senior Razelman on the mound today, uh, who's USF uh, Don's uh, commit. He'll be out there. And I expect Foothill to run out uh, senior Josh Robinson, who started their first round game against Liberty uh, back on the 14th. Um, they both moved to the semifinal. I was at the game that uh, the quarterfinal De La Salle Mana Vista game. Uh, we wrote it up uh, quite extensively uh, on our website the other day. Uh, it, was, it was Kyle Harrison for De La Salle versus uh, opposite him was Josh White of Mana Vista. It was a two to one game. Uh, it was highly, it was very tense. It was very fun. It was uh, well played. Um, it was uh, it was a conference game with two great pitchers going at it. Uh, it was uh, one team trying to survive um, versus just a team that had their swing. In the, there was two swings of the bat that mattered in the game. De La Salle got a, a double from Charles McAdoo uh, on a break and ball that got left up. And uh, Monta Vista got a solo homer um, from Tommy Gavello. Those two swings of the, of the bat accounted for uh, all three runs in that game, um, there were runners on base all over the place, but uh, the both and both pitchers had to pitch uh, out of trouble. They got themselves into some trouble, but uh, but De La Salle broke through, and that's the one game. You know, they had an easy one in the first round against James Logan. Um, I know they weren't super excited to be playing uh, Monta Vista in game two because Monta Vista did uh, take the opportunity to uh, hold back Josh White for that second round game, and uh, it darn near got him there. But uh, ultimately, De La Salle uh, won. Foothill has uh, taken out Liberty. Um, and they've also taken out Doherty Valley, uh, which is a conference foe of theirs as well, or a league foe. Um, I expect a really, really good game today out there. I'm not going to probably be at that one, as that I've seen De La Salle a number of times, and uh, I kind of like to get out to Amateur Valley. But until proven otherwise, we got to go with the, the Spartans. They're on a, what, 25 or 26-game winning streak. Um, they've won numerous titles in a row and have been in the final. So uh, it's kind of like our Golden State Warriors at this point, like, you maybe root for some others to break through just to see somebody else hold a trophy, but uh, killing this kind of a champion uh, has proved very, very challenging for, uh, for the other teams. Um, in the lower half of that the semifinal bracket, we got the Amateur Valley Dons, another East Bay Athletic League team. So the, so the league has four, three of the four teams in the semifinal. Um, and again, their senior pitching uh, has been holding up uh, extremely well for them. Um, They'll be taking on Heritage today, and it sounds like uh, the young sophomore Christian Machado will be back on the mound for Heritage, and he's who I saw 
in game one against Freedom, uh, and he was stellar. Uh, what did he go? He went six innings, six plus, and he was relieved by Ryan Jackson. And this young left-hander was just calm and cool. Uh, he was collected. Uh, his stuff was good, but it was uh, it was fun one to watch. They're going to run him back out there. Um, Heritage took out uh, Akamani's last week, who was my pick to break through and not only win this year, but I also got to win it next year. So <laughs> um, they're going to have to regroup. So I expect a, a, a tight game between Heritage and Amateur Valley today. Uh, I'll go with Amateur Valley, though. I'm going to I'm gonna go with the experienced um, uh, Dons uh, to break through the final against De La Salle, uh, which would be on Saturday, I believe, at Diablo Valley College. And who do you have in that game? Oh, man. Putting you on the spot. Well, because if they get there, if they get there, uh, they're going to have uh, Kyle Harrison ready to go, um, which is how they've kind of scripted this one out. And they've played each other twice this year. De La Salle won two to zero on April third. Uh, they also won in the EBAL championship game nine to three just a, a couple weeks ago. So uh, just having watched Kyle pitch, having having seen him in big games, uh, knowing how he thrives, and um, knowing how like bases loaded the other day, and I think it was the third inning, and nobody out in the game where they're on the ropes and he just proceeded to strike out the next three guys. So like we talked about Jesuit and tight games and big moments and, um, they've got one in this, in this junior. So uh, I'm just going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with the better pitcher in the championship game. So I'll say data style raises, uh, raises the banner again. That's a good pick. And let's shift over to Division Two in the NCS plane. And this is just kind of a zoo, right? I mean, all hell's broken uh, loose. <laughs> yes, that's that's a good way to put it. I mean, the highest remaining seed is is the four seed Maria Carrillo. And I mean, wow, what in the heck happened here in Division Two? And give us a quick rundown on those games, uh, semifinals. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. So somebody on Twitter called me out, a, a, a dad from Windsor High School who won, who was a 14 seed, who defeated Tamil Pius, in the, who was a three seed in the first round, and said, hey, how was your uh, NCAA bracket? And I said, not good. <laughs> not good at all. Uh, I wasn't the only one. But, uh, yeah, and I was going to say, nobody's was good. Yeah, yeah, but I was, uh, I was especially uh, poor in this. I look at the Final Four, and I did not have any one of these teams uh, getting through. I suppose I could be forgiven in the lower half where, where the 10 seed, uh, Benicia, is taking on. Uh, the 11 seed Alameda. However, uh, Alameda was the section champ last year. So there's some championship pedigree coming back. You've got coaching staff that knows how to get through it. You know, coaching staff that knows how to game plan a pitching rotation and, and knows how to work through you know, tough moments in games as far as who we're going to bring in, who we're going to hold out. So that's a, that's a big deal. Um, in the upper half, we've got Casa Grande here in my hometown. It's actually where my son will go to high school in a couple of years. Uh, they had a crosstown uh, matchup in the first round against Petaluma High, and they pounded them. I think Petaluma walked like 14 Casa Grande hitters, and it was just uh, it was a 15 to five boat racing. Um, I didn't see it coming. I've seen Casa a couple times this year, and uh, I've got friends that have children on that team, and uh, the coach is a friend, and I just I just didn't hold them in, in very high regard most of the season, to, to be truthful with you. Uh, but they have uh, at the right time the, they peaked. Um, they found some things. Um, they're obviously putting up some runs. They've found some steady pitching. Uh, Terramina has uh, thrown the ball really well for them. Um, they took out a Redwood team, uh, on the 20th that I thought had the best, uh, pitching left in, in this, uh, in this section division, but, but nope, it's, it's Casa Grande standing there in the, uh, semifinals against Maria Carrillo, who I saw play a couple weeks back. Um, senior laden team, very experienced, uh, good culture of winning, uh, at that school. Coach Sam Bruno's got a good group. Um, Again, when I saw him play against uh, Montgomery High, I think every position 
save for maybe one, the first baseman, um, was a senior. So you just got kids that have played. It's, it's not a spectacularly talented group. There's a couple guys going to Santa Rosa Junior College. Um, there's a couple kids that, uh, you know, can evolve a little further uh, down the road. But it's just, it's high school uh, experience um, at a program that knows how to play quality baseball. So uh, how do I pick here? Let's go. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Toby Vaughn, Andrew, Andrew Vaughn's father, uh, he and I talk occasionally. And before the year, he laid it out for me. He said, Blaine, it's Maria Carrillo and it's Cardinal Newman. He said, I'll take Carrillo, which is where his son went. So maybe he was a little favoritism there. I don't know. But uh, I'll go with Carrillo to get to the final. And I'm going to stay with the defending champ, Alameda. Uh, and I don't have any clue how that's going to go because everything I just said will probably turn out opposite. Um, but I'll take... I'll take Maria Carrillo. I think they've had the tougher road at this point um, in beating Marin Catholic uh, on, was that Monday? Yeah, beating Marin Catholic on Monday. So I'll go Korea in the final over Alameda. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's a, not a bad pick. I I, I like. Uh, there's a player for Alameda that I'm a big fan of, and his name is uh, Max Nyrop, and he's a Nyrop. Yeah, you like him. I do like him, man. He he was down at our senior games in uh, October of last year, and I know Devin saw him a couple times early in the spring, and and really wrote him up. You know, he raved about him both uh, offensively and on the mound, and. I mean, here's a guy, Blaine, at 6'5", 220, who is pretty raw still on the mound. Uh, but, you know, he was, you know, 84, 86, good movement on the fastball and on the secondary pitches. So uh, I, there's just a name to remember. I won't make a pick in this game because I haven't seen these teams, but uh, he, he just a name to remember. Uh, let's well, I'm going to take a look at their schedule real quick here while we're, while we're chatting up and see. Yeah. Uh, Let's take a look at who they might have. So against Windsor on Monday, they went with, let's see. Oh, their stats aren't in there. So uh, we have to make a call over to, uh, to the coach. Um, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, let's move on. Yeah, let, let's shift over to D3. Uh, again, another kind of weird one with number nine and number four seeds still alive. Yeah, uh, Alhambra was, you know, uh, placed in the four spot. Uh, it's, they're out of, uh, out of Martinez there in the East Bay along the 680 corridor. Uh, and they've had a good program for a number of years. It's never been like at the very top, but they always, uh, there's a gritty uh, blue collarish type of uh, play over there. Uh, Camp Alindo is uh, from a, one of our better conferences in the East Bay. Um, they're in Moraga, uh, just down the street from St. Mary's College. Uh, I saw them in a scrimmage earlier in the season against Redwood out of Larkspur. Um, and now again, it's very early in the season. It was still in February. You know, some players was uh, still coming out of basketball. Um, some kids who are football players are maybe still taking some time to get their bodies in, in baseball playing shape. Um, and, and but but to be honest, uh, there there wasn't there wasn't much offense to speak of in that game. And I did I didn't again much like I misread uh, Casa Grande. I obviously misread Campo a little bit. Um, but there they are. They took out Cardinal Newman in round two, who was my pick to go through the championship game. And, uh, it was one of those games. I, I was reading the comments from coach, uh, Derek DiBenedetti at Cardinal Newman in the paper. And he said, you know, you, you, you don't want to have your worst game at the worst possible moment. He goes, but we did, uh, I was like six or seven errors. Um, just had one of those days that you just hope never shows up certainly in a, in a quarterfinal of, uh, of playoffs. And, and Campo took advantage of it. So uh, there they are in the semifinal against Alhambra. In the bottom half of the bracket, you got you got uh, Las Lomas, the number two seed, taking on 
um, uh, who we got again, O'Dowd was seated number six. Uh, they're out of Oakland. So Los Lomas has had a really good year. They're 23 and three, and we've had them in our others receiving boat section a number of times. Uh, 23 and three is nothing to sneeze at. And I want to say they even were at one point 18 or 19 and O, uh, during this season. Uh, they've gotten really good pitching. Uh, uh, Abidor threw a complete game in their quarterfinal, uh, win. Uh, they, so, so, so they've got their, uh, Previous games, uh, pitchers ready to go. Um, Aiden Pierce is a junior pitcher, and then they've got a junior, uh, Andrew LaCour, a left-hander, ready to go behind him if that's what, what they choose to do. So uh, Los Lomas looks like they're in really, really good shape. But I did get a text or, or a, a Twitter message from a player at O'Dowd uh, last night. Uh, Jalen Antonov, their shortstop, says, hey, when we beat Las Lomas tomorrow, will you give us some love on Twitter? <laughs> so, so he's paying attention to what we're talking about. Uh, they're a competent group. Uh, we've seen Jalen. We saw Jalen at one of our showcases in, uh, in January. So, um, so yeah, Jalen, if you're listening, uh, you guys take out Las Lomas today and we'll give you some love, but, uh, I'm going to roll with uh, what looks like, looks like has been the best team in the section, um, the division, the section for most of the year, which has been Las Lomas. Uh, I picked them in the championship game against Newman. Um, I did pick Newman to win that. Uh, but as, as I had Las Lomas getting to the final now, I'll switch gears and, and go with, uh, go with Los Lomas in the final over uh, what would appear to be uh, a pretty hot Campo team. Yeah, no doubt. I love, I love that you're getting some, some messages there on uh, social media about love. That's, that, that's really funny. That uh, says a lot about uh, what those guys are doing on their spare time, but hey, yeah, they're having fun. Yeah, exactly. Hey Blaine, before we, before we wrap things up, I just wanted to touch on the central co on the central section, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, kind of a, a bizarre ending to not even an ending, but a, a, I guess a bizarre ending to what was a, a somewhat bizarre day up in Fresno uh, on Saturday as Clovis and Frontier playing for the Division One title, and and I want to say the fourth inning they called the game due to rain. Bottom of the fourth, there's a runner on third with one out. Yeah, postponed it to tomorrow to today um, mm-hmm. at Clovis High School. Uh, you know, the, I think it's tomorrow. I think it's tomorrow. Is it, is it tomorrow? Okay, I think yeah. I thought it was Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, you know, but uh, the forecast says that they're expecting some rain tomorrow as well. I know that people on Twitter and those platforms were not at all happy with you know the decision to play the game uh, initially because there was a hundred percent chance of rain. Uh, what's your take on it? Does that sort of situation favor one team over another? Uh, particularly, you know, Clovis is playing really hot, as was Frontier, obviously, to get there. Uh, but you know, this kind of being the swan, this being the swan song for Coach Patrick at Clovis, does that favor them, or does Frontier have an advantage, or does neither team have an advantage? In you know, I, it, I guess I'd say neither. Uh, we're in it simply because um, we're, we're dealing with teenagers, we're dealing with kids, right? So to 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 predict uh, how they're gonna. Feel about it. Uh, obviously, Frontier um, getting hot at the right time of year, breaking through as an eight seed. We did have some people uh, way back in the beginning of the year say, "Hey, look out! This is one of our more talented teams in the section down here." Um, they were rolling early in the year, and then they hit some bumps uh, and ended up again getting in as an eight seed. But uh, the term what playing a little bit with house money, um, having beat Buchanan, uh, taking out a really good Rigetti team. So I, I think. In a sense, it could help Clovis in a way that maybe it slows some momentum. But if you look at the score, it's four to two. Clovis in the bottom of the fourth. Um, perhaps you know Frontiers. Uh, I won't say luck, but perhaps their good fortune was uh, coming to an end. And maybe this does give them a few days to uh, to gather, to collect, um, 
to get their feet underneath them and, and come back and, and, and charge from the fourth you know, from, from the bottom of the fourth on out. So, uh, I, I don't, again, I don't know, um, the emotions of coach Patrick and his, his last season, uh, and now having it delayed. And again, as you say, maybe delayed further with, uh, with weather, you know, tomorrow, um, it's certainly not ideal. And, and, you know, it is tough. I know a lot of people like to, to rip and bang on those that make decisions to play games and when to play them and when not to play them. And, and it's really challenging for anybody that deals with any sort of scheduling. Um, they're very rarely right. And people, people always want to say they're wrong for whatever reason. So, um, the fact of the matter is it got played, it got, it got suspended and, uh, Clovis is winning four to two. And that's, that's all we know at this point. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up. Just a, a really, really difficult position for the CIF people to be in when it comes to making those decisions. I know that there was a little bit of weather here in the division one championship game at Dodger stadium on Saturday. And I know that conversation was going on up in the press box as to, okay, well, if this game gets canceled, what do we do? Where do we go? Where does it get played? Uh, so people jumping the gun looking for answers before, you know, the question was really posed. Yeah. Uh, so just uh, just a difficult situation, but I just wanted to touch on that and wish both Frontier and Clovis uh, the best of luck as they, you know, resume that game. But You know, what, but, I, what I do know less is about this and having, you know, again, this is a they play out to high school sports, but... Um, I do know that for, for young people having to wait another few days, um, which, whichever the two teams has got the, you know, the best leadership and more calm and whatever, uh, they'll probably break through in that game because it's, it, it is young people, especially athletes, you know, high school athletes at, at this, they're pretty high level. They get really keyed up to play, right? You know, we start high school baseball games and you hear more energy out of dugouts, you know, than, than you would often ever hear the rest of the summer and, you know, and, and their schedules and in their summer team. And it's, it's almost like a, it's almost like a footballish atmosphere, right? Like it, they're very juiced. Uh, we're talking about young adolescent males with a lot of energy and a lot of emotion and excitement. Um, and now I'd have to try and re- whichever team can recreate that and, and come out. I think that's the team that breaks through in this game. Yeah, and I think just based on what we saw from Clovis uh, for the three days at the Fresno Easter Classic, uh, you know, you got to like their chances. Uh, but Blaine, I appreciate you spending some time coming on chatting to the uh, Sac Joaquin North Coast section and giving us some insight, and most importantly, giving us your pick so we know where to where to <laughs> go to to harass you. Yeah, uh, you, you know. But uh, you know, if you are are on Twitter, uh, be sure to follow Blaine on Twitter. Uh, Blaine, why don't you give us your handle uh, at Clemens underscore PBR, so you can uh, follow me there. Uh, yeah, we also before we get off, we should also say congratulations to. Uh, San Joaquin Memorial, uh, who won the Division Two uh, Central Section title for uh, for the second consecutive season. So, uh, congratulations to Coach JD. Uh, I want to say it's Sa- it, it's Salas. Yes, it's actually how we yes. pronounce it. That's how it's spelled. We always want to roll those L's, but it's uh, anyway. Congrats to uh, to San Joaquin Memorial. Yes, yes, no doubt, Coach Salas. That they've got some young guys on that team that are really exciting. Uh, so they may not be done winning championships. Uh, so hit them up on Twitter at Clemens, C-L-E-M-M-E-N-S underscore P-B-R. Uh, and be sure to check out all of his content at prepbaseballreport.com slash California. Blaine, again, appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, we'll circle back with you uh, next week and see how well you did on these picks. <laughs> Thanks, Les. We'll be right back with NorCal Area Scout Ryan Ozella. Welcome back to the At The Yard podcast presented by Prep Baseball Report California. 
Pleased to be joined by Ryan Ozella, who is smashing the coverage of the CCS postseason. Ryan, busy first week of the postseason last week, but it all comes down to this week. Uh, how are you holding up? Uh, I know you were at, oh gosh, I don't even know how many games last week. Yeah, it's going good, man. Uh, definitely excited for these last Final Fours. Uh, now that we're getting into the finals here, it's, uh, it's always exciting. Uh, a lot of good baseball being played, man. It's you know it's the playoffs. It's one of those ones where everyone wants to win, everyone's competing, and uh, you got to love that when it comes down to the end of the season. Yeah, no doubt. But one of the big storylines so far in the postseason has been the weather, as you guys are just getting hammered, aren't you? Yeah, this rain is just one of those ones that's coming in and out, and uh, it's pushing things back, and you know, I get it. CIFCCS is trying to get some games in to make sure that they're not, you know, backlogged on it and trying to push this another week. So, um, you know, on Saturday, I was able to get to one game before the rain took over. I actually headed over to see the second one. But um, by that time, the, the clouds had really opened up and it had been coming down pretty hard all day. So um, they canceled those second sets of games and uh, pushed it to Monday, which allowed me to get some more action in. Yeah, we had a little bit of that this weekend at Dodger Stadium during the uh, Division One championship game. It was kind of a, not a whole lot of rain, but just a steady kind of annoying drizzle, if you will, um, you know, that just was going on for about an hour throughout the game, but uh, didn't seem to disrupt the play on the field. So let's get to the play on the field up in the CCS. Uh, Ryan, we're going to break down Divisions 3 through the open. So let's start with Division 3. Uh, the final fours are set, so these are all the semifinal games uh, before the finals will take place this weekend. So let's hop right into Division Three, Ryan. Uh, break it down for us. Sure. So the games start uh, tomorrow or today, actually. Sorry, I'm lost on days already. Uh, today at Washington Park in Santa Clara is the final four for D3. The championship will be Friday at San Jose Municipal Stadium where the San Jose Giants play. Uh, so our final four in this division, we got Monta Vista Christian from Watsonville, the three seed. We got Menlo School, the number two seed, uh, the five seed, the Kings Academy, and number one seed, Pacific Grove. Uh, all four teams won their first uh, their first quarterfinal matchup uh, in pretty decisive uh, fashion. Uh, it kind of shows that all four of these teams deserve to be here. Um, you know, Monta Vista Christian plays in a really tough Pacific Catholic, or sorry, not Pacific Catholic, Pacific Coast. Um, Menlo School has been playing really well in their conference, getting second place. Kings Academy was a high seed in theirs, and Pacific Grove was uh, another one that was a high seed. So I think this is going to be a great Final Four matchup right here. Yeah, and then you know on those on those uh, teams, there, there are some familiar names, right? I mean, we talked a little bit uh, about 19 left-handed pitcher outfielder Hunter Haynes and how it sets up potentially for Pacific Grove to have him on the mound uh, going into the finals. Should it should they get that far? Yeah, they've done a great job of setting it up. Um, you know, they've got Kevin Ebron, uh, who's another lefty who I saw early in the season and liked. Uh, they got a freshman, Brendan Moore, who's a really good starting pitcher uh, who could come in and probably close some games if they needed to in this one. Um, yeah, but they set themselves up having Hunter possibly going in that championship game, which is uh, is a tough matchup. He struck out seven and three innings in the first game, hit a two-run home run, um, showing kind of all of his skills all around the field. Yeah, and then in that uh, Menlo School Monta Vista Christian game, you know, pitching and defense at this point of the season is obviously critical. Uh, who do you think has a little bit more on either one of those sides in their favor? 
Uh, to me, I think it's going to be Monta Vista Christian. Um, I think they've got a couple more arms um, than Menlo does. Uh, Menlo's got an outfielder in JC uh, Ning, and I probably butchered that. And if I did, I'm sorry, man. Um, but he's been really good for them out in center field. He can go get the ball, swings the bat real well. He's a 2021 uncommitted guy. Uh, Monta Vista Christian's got a few 2020s and Robert Nunez, who's playing third base now for him. And they got the outfielder 2020, Tyler Keenan, who's been playing really well for them as well. Guy I've seen a couple of times who's uncommitted. Um, so I just think for them, they've got a couple bats and uh, I'm not sure who they're going to go with this, uh, this game here, but I know that they've got a couple of pitchers that can go out and, uh, and compete for them. And I just think that they've got enough to go and win this one. Yeah, and, and your original pick, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, was MVC and Pacific Grove. Are you sticking with that? Yeah, I got to stick with those two. I think those two are the uh, the deepest of the four teams available, um, and I think that those that'll be a really good finals matchup at San Jose Municipal. Yeah, then the next uh, division we're going to take a look at is Division Two. Uh, this one has you know quite the Cinderella story has made it here to the Final Four, but the other three teams top three seeds in uh so tell us a little bit about division two yeah division two is going to be going on uh i believe it's going to be uh wednesday at washington park and then their finals is going to be uh on friday right after the d3 finals um in that one you've got christopher the three seed from down in gilroy uh two seeds going to be aptos who i saw a couple i saw earlier in their first round matchup um, the 12 seed Sacred Heart Cathedral, that that, Cal, uh, that Cinderella team you're talking about, making a great run here to the Final Four, uh, and then the number one seed Monterey, who um, has been pretty good and consistent all season. Um, so those four right there, I think, are going to be a really good matchup as well. Um, Sacred Heart Cathedral's, you know, making a run for it. They've uh, won some really close games. Their first game got suspended in the eighth inning. Um, they came back to win that one, and then won another close one yesterday, two to one at home. Um, they're a team that's, you know, they're used to playing in tough competition in that West Catholic League. Um, so they're kind of one of those ones that, as much as a Cinderella as they are, it's not surprising. They've had a lot of talented players on that team this season. Yeah, it's a pretty deep program with some history there. And, and you know, you're right. I mean, you, you know, you mentioned that they made a run last year uh, in this division as well. So, you know, what, what, do, you, what, do, what do you thinking through these first two uh, Final Four games? What are you picking for your finals before we get to your finals picks here a little sure. bit later in the show? So I think I, uh, I had originally had Aptos and Monterey as my final two in this one, uh, and I think I'm going to stick with that. To me, Aptos has got two two workhorses on the mound, 19 Kevin Icorn, um, who I saw in the quarterfinal uh, game go uh, seven and two-thirds and strike out 11. He was really good throwing a power curve ball. Um, but their other right-hander, 21, Nathan Bruce, uh, is a really live arm. 83-85, lets the ball go. He's got a really great slider. Um, he's just a little guy. He's kind of got that Pedro comp um, just because of the arm action and the way it works. Um, but, man, if he's on, it's going to be very tough for Christopher to hit that one. Uh, and the other one, I'm going to have to go with Monterey. I just think that they're the deepest team in this conference, um, in this division. Uh, and I think that they've got four four or five guys in the middle of that lineup that can help them extend the extend the game. Um, they've done a great job of playing really close ball games and knowing that they can kind of keep coming back and winning those games. Uh, and I think they're going to do that again, get into the finals. I want to just jump back to the Icorn pitcher you mentioned there. You know, I texted you on Saturday. I was sitting at a game at one of the finals down here. Uh, game with a college coach and brought up his name and you know he said that he's starting to hear that name this is a guy Ryan you've been singing his praises all year and and, you know he's a a big bodied guy I mean you talked about that power curve I mean this is a guy with 
I mean, I think his ceiling is so high, but more importantly, I think his floor is really high too. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I think the, that's the perfect explanation for him. Um, you know, he's probably six, three, maybe 175, 180 pounds, um, plenty of space in the frame to keep adding to it. To me, he's got another velo jump. Um, like we've said earlier in, in our times talking about him, he's got a family bloodline. Uh, his dad pitched in the big leagues. So, you know, he knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's doing. Um, but yeah, to me, I think he's the type of guy that, you know, if somebody puts him on their roster, they're going to be really, really happy with his progress and get him in the weight room, get him ready to keep going, uh, get bigger and stronger. And I could see him making a huge jump here in another year. Yeah, he, he's a guy that, you know, you wouldn't be shocked if, you know, next year you you, you hear him you know, is one of those guys that has made that jump physically and on the mound, you know, and if he, he might be doing that, you know, Cabrillo College or Cuesta College up in your area, uh, you know, but it's a guy who, you know, college coaches are going to really want to uh, bear down on here in the next uh, year or so. Uh, so let's uh, shift gears over to Division One. This is, you know, you start getting into some of these really recognizable program names, uh, at least from a Southern California perspective. Uh, Division One, it's a, it's kind of a mixed bag. You got the one seed, the four seed, the six seed, and the ten seed still alive, trying to play it out for this championship, right? Yeah, and this one, I think uh, the upsets have been played, and uh, it's really been really good for this uh, bracket. Um, you see number 10 Mountain View in there. They won some really big games. Um, you know, on Saturday, I was at the end of their uh, their win over Los Altos, who, you know, is a team that we had in our power 25 throughout the season, a team that won like 19 games in a row and his offense was really good. Um, but Mountain View and them matched up uh, multiple times during the season. Um, and that situation played out in the third game where uh, Mountain View was able to figure it out and, and get the W. So, um, you know, kudos to them. I think they're doing really well. I think they've got a chance to win this game and get to the finals too. You know, I, I liked Bellarmine when I saw him early in the season, but when you're hot in the playoffs, um, you know, it could come down to just one or two things like that. And, and, and you get that mojo going and, and make a run for it. Um, so that, that game right there, that Bellarmine mountain view game is going to be a really good one. Um, and the other side of the brackets, Leland and Lee, uh, another situation where these two teams have matched up um, twice already in the regular season, they play in the same conference. Uh, and both those games went to the, the final final out. Um, you know, there was, I was at one game between Lee and Leland where um, it was the sixth inning and Lee was up. And then all of a sudden Leland put, scored enough to tie it. And then it was the seventh and same idea. Eighth inning, they went back and forth and back and forth, getting Lee a win at the end. Um, so I think this one's going to be a real tough one as well going to that third game. Um, you know, I kind of think it's going to be a situation where Leland wins this one just because they've gotten that third look at somebody. And uh, most of the time, if you get three looks at someone, you got to try and get the win out of it somehow. So to me, I think it's going to be Mountain View and Leland in the finals. Yeah, it's, it's tough to beat any team three times in a season, that's for sure. I like the note that you sent over that Lee's played consistently, uh, you know, in a tight games all season because, I mean, that really – sets you up and bodes well i mean particularly if you you know come out on the winning side of those uh sets you up really well for the postseason yeah absolutely and that's one of those things where uh you know when you're playing one run ball games and you're consistently coming out ahead uh you have that belief that you can be in any single game uh you know even if you're down early you know well we're, we're going to be able to come back in this one we'll be right there uh and i think that that's going to be one of those ones that my thought process the lee and leland game will probably go to the bottom of the seventh again like those first two did all right, so you're taking you're taking your original pick was Wilcox and Leland, so you're still alive. Uh, so you're, you're taking you're, you're taking who are you taking? In, uh, you're taking Bellerman. 
Uh, I think I'm going to go with Mountain View on that Mountain one. Mountain View, okay. They're staying okay. hot, and uh, I think they're going to just keep playing well and, and get the victory in that one. All right, so so you're looking at the one versus the ten seed. Uh, sorry, the four versus the ten seed here uh, yeah. in Division One. So let's let's shift on up to the open division, the big dogs here. Uh, we got the one seed Valley Christian, the two seed Archbishop Mitty, five seed Sarah, and the sixth seed San Benito. The first thing that pops out there is, boy, all these teams are very familiar with themselves. Yeah, they uh, these teams have all seen each other a lot. Um, you know, Midi, Sarah, Valley Christian are all in the West Catholic League together. They've already played each other twice. Uh, I think Midi and Valley Christian have already played each other three times. So if those both get to the finals, that will be a fourth game between the two of them. Um, it just shows how deep the West Catholic League is. You know, we had uh, five or six teams that made the playoffs from that conference. And there's, you know, Bellarmine, there's Sacred Heart, and there's three teams in the open division. So five out of the six have made it to the final four. Um, it just kind of goes to the credit of how big and deep that league is for their baseball uh, and how good it's been all season. But, you know, it's one of those ones I, I wouldn't count past San Benito, man. It's one of those ones where I was really impressed with the way they played on Saturday uh, in a rain game, um, getting over Los Gatos and, and beating them. Um, you know, they're a type of team that plays really good defense. They're solid through the lineup, one through nine. Uh, and their pitching is now set up to have their, their young freshman 2022 Jackson Pace go out and try and beat Mitty uh, on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday night. Man, you talk about a big spot for a for a freshman, right? I mean, 15 years old, 14 years old, whatever he might be, heading out uh, to try to beat you know the powerhouse program uh, to advance to the finals. What can you tell us about uh, the freshman right-handed pitcher Jackson Pace? Yeah, he's a guy who's really, um, really jumped up on the 2022 list. Uh, I know when we do rankings here soon on that group, uh, he's a guy that I think should be really high up there. Um, the, the future ceiling is, is tremendous. Um, and kind of another guy that we've talked about where the floor is going to be really, really high as well. Um, six, three, six, four already really wide, really long body, um, plenty of space for the frame to keep growing and just a really loose live arm. Um, I've seen him touching 88, um, in games as, uh, as a freshman, uh, a little slider right now. That's kind of got some, some back doors on it. Uh, other times where it's really good and really sharp. Um, you know, as a freshman, you kind of expect that to kind of get better as, as it gets going. Uh, and then he's got a third pitch and a changeup who it can be a, another really quality pitch for him. So uh, I think the ceiling is extremely high. And for him, it's going to be against a really tough lineup. You know, Mitty's got guys that have been doing this for years. Um, you know, they were a semifinalist in D2 last year. And then they've got, you know, Nick York, Joe York, and now the youngest brother, Zach York, who's a freshman, all playing on that team. Um, Mitty's got some other guys that are playing really well in their outfield and their defensive uh, alignment has really helped them out now, having Nick York back out in center field. So I think that's going to be a great game. It's going to come down to the wire, but it's going to come down to how well Jackson Pace pitches and how well the, uh, the Mitty pitching and defense handles this situation. Okay, I like that. I, I like the and potentially. Well, 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 let's not jump ahead. We'll get there in a second. So let's let's break down the Sarah uh, Valley Christian matchup. I mean, the big thing here, right, is that it's at a neutral site. Exactly. And so, um, you know, each team split at home during the regular season. Um, the one value that is going to go into this is Valley Christian played a game at Municipal Stadium early in the season. Um, so they might have a little bit more familiarity with the field and things like that. But yeah, I think the neutral side is going to make this game a little bit more competitive. Um, Valley Christians kind of set themselves up as well with their pitching. Uh, they're going to probably have John Simrot, the 2021 going to Arizona throwing this game. Uh, he's an arm that can really go out there and cut it up. Um, against Sarah, he's going to have to, he's going to have 
have to make sure he's, he's around the zone because they're not going to chase. Um, they're a team that's going to be very, very conscious of making sure that they get their pitches and then they attack it. Uh, another team that plays on pitching and defense and, and executing the small ball game. So uh, I think it's going to be a really good one there. Uh, to me, I just think Valley Christians is, is too deep of a team and too, too quality of a team. You know, in the game yesterday against uh, Joshua Kasevic, who's going to Oregon, they only got four hits, um, but they got four runs because they executed, you know, put pressure on defenses and, and made them uh, make some miscues that allowed them to get some extra runs in that one. And I just think that they're going to go to the finals again here. You know, it's funny when we released our initial power 25, we didn't have uh, Valley Christian, I don't think, in the top 10. And we caught some black for that. And you know, on Twitter and on Instagram and all that stuff. And, you know, our response was, look, you have plenty of time to prove it, right? Prove us exactly. wrong. And, and they certainly have. I mean, Valley Christian has elevated itself to a top five, six, seven team in the state uh, at this point. And, you know, with a, with, with a couple more wins, they could go even higher. So let's talk about who's going to win these games, Ryan, and let's jump into your championship picks. We'll go with all the divisions once again. You'll give us your picks uh, and maybe a little reason why. So let's go with D3. Who do you got? So for D3, I'm going to go with Pacific Grove. Um, I just think that they're the deepest team. They have a lot of different ways they can beat you. Uh, they've got quality arms on the mound. They've got a deep lineup. Uh, their middle infield can really play defense. Their third baseman is another guy who's been uh, playing really well for them. So I just think that that's a situation where uh, if you have pitching, if you have defense and you have offense, it's kind of tough to lose those situations. And, um, you know, it's going to be putting pressure on them. But at the same time, I think they're going to rise that pressure and, and come up on top. All right, so the pick is in. Division three is Pacific Grove. Let's go over to Division two. Who you got? Uh, on this one, I'm going to stick with my original pick in Aptos. You know, I think when you have two guys that are on the mound that can really shove like they do, um, one run is kind of all you need, and their offense has got gotten that done for them this season. Um, you know, there's times where they'll they'll win close ball games, and then there's other times where their offense will get hot and knock out a few different runs and, and really give their pitchers an, an upper hand on that situation. Um, so for me, I think Aptos is going to get there. Um, this first game against Christopher is not going to be easy, but I think if they match up against either a Monterey um, or a Sacred Heart, I think they could beat either one of those teams. So I'm going to go Aptos. Aptos, I like the pick. I like the combination of the pitching pitchers that you mentioned there, particularly Icorn, as we talked about. So let's go over to Div- Div- Division One. Who do you got in Division One? So I already called some upsets for the semis uh, to get to a 10-4 game, and uh, I think the number four seed Leland is is the deepest lineup of those ones remaining. Um, I think they grind out at bats. I think they're a type of team that um, can put seven or eight runs on the board pretty quickly on you. Uh, and with that situation, I think that's going to how it's going to play out in the finals. Um, they've got a short an outfielder. Um, Carson Yates, who's a 2020, who I really like. His power's in there. He can really run. Uh, he's an athlete. He's a two-sport guy who plays football as well and is one of those dual-threat quarterbacks who can really get it and throw it. Um, so I just think that that's the type of lineup that's going to be tough to beat in a playoff situation one game. I like it. Leland, the four seed, to win the CIF. So now let's go to the open division, uh, the division with arguably uh, the most, I guess, um, following the biggest following if you will just given the teams that are in it and again we talked about that uh that league matchup with valley christian uh and sarah to get here so who do you have in the finals and uh, who's I'm gonna, gonna win go it? 
Yeah, I think Valley's still the best team here. I think they're the uh, chance right here for the three-peat. Um, you know, with the way their pitching is set up, to have Simrod throw this one, bring Zobak back again. Uh, you know, they still have Will Kempner, a guy who's going to Gonzaga, who closed out uh, last night's game. Um, he's been kind of become a late-inning bullpen type of piece for them. But in this type of situation, he could come in and start a game for him and give them two or three, four innings. Um, so to me, I just think it's it's the deepest team up in this area. It's the deepest team in this conference. Um, and to me, I think it's it's tough to get through that lineup multiple times and, and not come out with them getting some runs on the board. So I'm going to take Valley Christian for the three-peat this year. Like it. Solid pick. Ryan, you have covered close to 80 games in this league in that area, so nobody knows those teams and those players better. So I certainly appreciate you coming on and, and giving us the insight on the Final Four and the championship picks here uh, in the CCS. And then when it's all said and done, we'll circle back to see how well you fared. Hopefully I go at least 50-50. That's my hopes on these ones here. <laughs> and that gets you in the Hall of Fame, man. I appreciate your time. <laughs> Thanks, Les. I'll talk real soon. We'll be right back with San Diego area scout Jack Shannon. Welcome back to the At The Yard podcast presented by Prep Baseball Report. I'm pleased to take you on the San Diego swing with my next guest, Jack Shannon. Jack, busy week last week with a lot of postseason action going on in San Diego. Uh, looking forward to you bringing us up to speed on what went down last week and what we got to look forward to this week. Yeah, it was a busy week last week. Playoffs were in full swing. Uh, games every day all over the county. Uh, lots of low-scoring, tight games. I think the first day, everybody was within one to three runs. So it really was a good start to playoffs. Uh, Storylines across the county. Well, one of the big storylines was that the game you were at, uh, the East Lake Cathedral game, you know, the big matchup there you wanted to talk about last week was that we did talk about was bronze against Tibbet. That proved uh, proved to play itself out. And then you got a big, big swing there from Cavaco. Yeah, it was, uh, it was exactly what I was hoping for. I, I was expecting uh, great pitching um, from both of them and, Jake Bronze and Ricky Tibbet came out firing strikes, locating their off speed, um, and working quickly. Uh, they both pitchers went the entire uh, game, and um, Eastlake ended up winning two to one. Uh, and really, the only mistake of the entire game was the first pitch of the bottom of the first inning, where Ron's just threw a come and get me fastball and um, Keone swung out of his shoes and hit a towering home run to left center uh, and got, got quite the reaction from the crowd. Um, Fox five San Diego was there. Uh, just, just about everyone uh, interested in San Diego baseball was at that game. So it was just a really cool atmosphere. And then the game itself ended in 90 minutes. If that, yeah, and, and and just based on on following along there, it looked like Marcelo Mayer, the uh, twenty one shortstop committed to USC, also uh, had at least that one nice double. Um, tell us a little bit more about his game overall. Yeah, he uh, he's healthy. He's back playing short um, at one hundred percent. East Lake in general is healthy. I think last time I saw them was in the Lions tournament against Torrey Pines, and they had about four starters missing. Um, so they weren't the same team, uh, this time around. 
So they had everyone back. Marcelo's playing short, uh, good defensively, then came up against Rons. And really, Ron, uh, against Rons, it was Marcelo Mayer and Keone were the only guys that seemed to have an idea of what was going on in the box um, because he cruised through everybody else. But Mayer, uh, similar to Keone, he got a uh, fastball that just leaked over the plate a little bit too much and uh, hammered it off the right center fence. Yeah, then later in the week, you, you went up and, and caught a really good one there with uh, the Costa Canyon and Spencer Jones, who, I mean, it, it's tough to it's tough to tell that this guy had, you know, surgery not too long ago, right, on his arm. I mean, the way he's swinging the bat right now, it, it was a pretty impressive outing for him. Yeah, he uh, he's back swinging it, and uh, I think he just, he just looks comfortable with the bat in his hands. Um, I think he's probably more natural hitter, um, mentally. And, uh, he went three for three. Uh, one thing I did notice that was a little interesting was his, uh, swing looked a little bit more inside out than it has in the past. More, uh, all three of his hits were, uh, to, uh, the left side, um, with that inside out lefty approach, which I have no, I have no issues with. I think that leads to, you know, early on season type, wing but it was just an interesting little tidbit because when i saw him pre-injury uh everything was pull everything was pull um not not making swings like that so i thought that was a little interesting so you think that shows you know some some ability to kind of get back to the basics or you know ability to adjust or do you think that's just hey we we are a hundred percent, but we're kind of inching our way back into this thing and not trying to do too much at the plate. Yeah, I think it's a a couple different things. I mean, definitely not trying to do too much. Um, he might just be up there, uh, you know, looking to hit it up the middle hard, uh, which is a fine approach, especially when you're coming back to things. But it also makes me wonder, um, you know, maybe that type of swing, maybe keeping your elbow closer to your body and, and kind of pushing it into out like that feels better for his elbow. Um, so I definitely think it's, uh, it's, it's something to be monitored. Yeah, no doubt. He ended up three for three, pretty, uh, pretty impressive day. So, you know, that's last week. There were some upsets along the way. We'll jump into those here, uh, in a little bit, but let's kind of preview, the big games coming up this week, you know, obviously it starts today in the open division, uh, you know, a rematch of a game you saw earlier in the season in, in the Lions tournament that you just mentioned, that's Torrey Pines at East Lake. And again, this should be a really good pitching matchup as well. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming East Lake will be starting Tibbet. Um, that's what I've heard. Uh, and then Torrey Pines is, you know, they're a veteran team. They, they won the open division last year. They're hungry. Um, they played some tight, close games against Rancho Bernardo to eliminate them. So I'm assuming they're going to come in um, ready to compete against Eastlake. Uh, but it is going to be, they're going to have to win two games in, on the road in Eastlake, which uh, will not be easy. So that'll be an interesting uh, one to two game series. 
Yeah, so the elimination format here, the double elimination format in the open division, uh, this is where it gets really exciting, right? Because if somehow Tory Pines can get past Tibbet and get to tomorrow, I mean, that sets up a, a winner-take-all situation. So pretty exciting. And then uh, a couple more games. Benita hosting a big pitcher uh, tomorrow. Uh, what do you got on that game? Yeah, well, uh, we've got two uh, Cinderella's, as you want to call them, two teams. Uh, that we're in the play-in round and now are in the driver's seat. And that is, uh, we got number six, Bonita Vista. Um, they won their play-in round game against Coronado. And then they beat Sage Creek. And then they beat uh, Point Loma. So in my opinion, they beat three very good teams to put themselves in the driver's seat to make it to the finals. And they will be traveling north to take on the stage feed Bobcats who will be starting Steven Klensky, who is likely the uh, San Diego County pitcher of the year. So I think that is going to be a fantastic matchup. Um, I was at the point Loma game on Saturday where they got eliminated by Sage Creek and the entire Benita Vista team, including the coaching staff was at the game, um, spoke with them a little bit, extremely confident team. Um, I think they only expect, uh, to win it all. So that'll be a very good matchup. Um, a confident team that, uh, has a little bit of leeway cause they got to be beaten twice against, um, arguably the best pitcher in uh, San Diego. Yeah. And if you're Benita Vista, it's one of those things, right? Like nobody, nobody thought you would be there. You know, nobody expected you uh, certainly to be there. And yet here you are in the driver's seat, as you described, pretty, pretty special season for, for those guys. And and you talked about, uh, you know, their, their confidence and they've got a good mix of seniors, you know, they've got a handful of sophomores on the varsity squad. They've got several freshmen on the squad, you know, and, and then a lot of junior contributors uh, on the squad. So that that's a team that we could be, you know, a lot of people maybe thought that they were a year away, uh, but they've sped up that clock, right? Yeah, definitely. And um, just like we said, the way the tournament is set up, I mean, you win that, you win those uh, in the double elimination format, you win those first first two games. Uh, it really benefits you. And then uh, the other Cinderella we got in, in D1 is uh, number 11 Westview uh, really kind of just came out of nowhere and beat very quality opponents as well. Um, they took down San Marcos, Canyon Crest, and Madison. So now they're in the driver's seat in the uh, bottom half of the Division One playoff format. Uh, so it's nice to have two Cinderella's and, uh, also two teams that we previewed, uh, before the season even started, uh, uh, Westview and Bonita Vista having, uh, players of interest and just programs of interest in general. Yeah. One of those players of interest for Westview sophomore, Patrick McLennan, uh, I mean, he's hitting 310 and when you get that sort of contribution from sophomores, you look at their stats, I mean, Williams is hitting, you know, 250 close to 250 Warrington is, is another sophomore hitting close to 300 uh, you know Overbo is the junior that he's hitting close to 300 so again another somewhat 
young team getting key contributions from guys that'll be back right uh in when you're talking about westview and a little bit of a surprise you're right i mean because you look at their overall numbers and and it's not all that impressive uh you know obviously junior leo mosby headed to santa barbara has been really good for them on the mound uh and at the plate so exciting for westview uh, the other big game on the docket though poway and helix that you wanted to talk about you know that's a that's a matchup of two teams incredibly familiar with each other yeah that's gonna be a good one um i saw poway against the cost canyon and you know standard poway they're tough really tough to beat at home um defensively strong throw strikes move runners over just a tough just a tough team to play against um going up against helix who has three legitimate starting pitchers um thomas Kennedy threw a no hitter against the cost canyon to eliminate them on saturday um and he was their third third pitcher they threw i believe so um when you got a number, when you got your third pitcher throwing a no hitter, uh, you know you got some pitching depth. So even though they have to beat Poway twice, they should have some confidence going into that series. Um, but that'll be a a good a good matchup as well um, for the winner uh, to head to San Diego State this weekend. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It's one of those all hands on deck, right? And and it'll be interesting to see how Jordan Thompson responds to that challenge too, because. You know, if he's on the mound, uh, as you've seen and as I've seen in the past, you, you know, he can at times be lights out and he can at times, you know, really labor through innings. So it'll be interesting to see well, what he does on the mound there for uh, for Helix. Uh, and then there's a couple other other series that, that are of interest here that, that we want to dive into a little bit. Grossmont against Granite Hills is should be, you know, quite the games there. Yeah, that's a... Uh a nice little uh, rivalry, uh, East County deal, Grossmont, Granite Hills, two teams that are seem to always be around it. Um, so that'll be, uh, I'm sure both teams, you know, a lot of friends there, a lot of familiarity. So that'll be a, a nice matchup uh, in Division One. Yeah, another one I, that I wanted to chat about, and to me it seems kind of a – uh, off the radar, really good matchup, right? And that's a team that we talked quite a bit about this season, San Pasqual. You know, we know about all their guys, but a team we really haven't talked a whole lot about and who's quietly put together a really good season is Patrick Henry. And those two are going to square off against each other. Yeah, that'll be a nice series. Um, teams that have uh, been around each other a lot. San Pasqual won D4 championship last year. Patrick Henry... Uh, had a really good American Legion team. I think we've talked about before this past summer. Um, they've been uh, quietly, yeah, just stringing wins together, um, putting in putting in a good season. They had the two seed, um, and they're in line uh, to host San Pasqual, um, needing to win both games, but the home team. Uh, so that should be uh, a good matchup there. And then on the other side of the D3 bracket, you've got Mira Mesa versus Valhalla. Mira Mesa being in the driver's seat, but Valhalla having uh, two quality starting pitchers in Ryan uh, in O'Sullivan and uh, Joseph Ingracia. Yeah, the older O'Sullivan uh, obviously made his way into the big leagues, the professional ranks there with the Angels. Uh, and that, that let's talk about that a little bit, Jack, because 
we talk about California being this hotbed for prospects and, you know, pro baseball players coming out of uh, particularly Southern California, um, you, you know, but the state as a whole is very well regarded. You know, and last week I had a chance to go to the Padres Pirates game and, you know, we're sitting there watching BP and, and then the game starts and kind of looking at the lineup. And it was, I said to, to my buddy that I was with, I said, man, there's there's a lot of familiar names here, you know? And I said, I think that guy's from San Diego. I think that guy's from San Diego. Turns out both rosters uh, have quite a few quite a few former San Diego prep baseball players on it, don't they? Yeah, it was, uh, it was wild to see that. Um, the joke going around was it was the San Diego Pirates. Uh, they've got four San Diegans on their team and Joe Musgrove and Steven Brault being high school graduates from Grossmont. Uh, they got Trevor Williams from Rancho Bernardo, Kevin Newman from Poway. And then on the flip side, you got the Padres. You have Alex Dickerson from Poway and Greg Garcia from Valhalla. And then it all kind of came together on Sunday. Uh, they had Tony Gwynn Jr. being the color commentary on TV, uh, being a Poway High graduate himself. And Joe Musgrove was the starting pitcher for the Pirates. He was facing Alex Dickerson, who singled and drove home uh, Greg Garcia. So a big-time San Diego connection there, uh, which was just a pretty special moment for the city. Yeah, it's really neat, you know, particularly where I was sitting, there was people talking about, you know, just the quality of high school baseball. So it really triggered a conversation about high school baseball, which was awesome uh, because the talent that's come through there, uh, through San Diego in particular, uh, is really, I mean, second to none. And then it, it continues this week uh, with the Diamondbacks in town uh, and Adam Jones, who, who played at Morse High School. Yeah, that's another really cool uh, San Diego native in Adam Jones. Uh, and then Morris, uh, not necessarily a juggernaut open division team, but uh, Morris is in the driver's seat in the D5 playoffs right now. So um, we just mentioned seven uh, big league uh players and all seven of them high schools are still alive in the uh, San Diego section playoffs. So a very cool, uh, very cool side note. And then just in general for uh, little leaguers and high school players uh, aspiring to be big leaguers to know that, Hey, um, I'm, I'm falling in the same footsteps as a, as a big leaguer. So just a, just really good for the sport in general and uh, just exciting times in San Diego. Yeah. I think one of the coolest things there is the Adam Jones story, right? I mean, from Morris high school, if you know anything about San Diego prep sports, you know, you know, when I was in high school, Morse was a powerhouse football program, and uh, you know they were producing Division One player after Division One player. Um, you know, it's an inner city school, uh, so for Adam Jones to be able to come back to his hometown and kind of tell his story, I'm sure that's incredibly, incredibly rewarding for him. Uh, but at the same time, like you said, you know, the visual for kids in those areas now to be able to say, "Hey, that guy came from where I'm at and and made it." Uh, is pretty neat. Yeah, 100%. It's very cool. All right, Jack. So we will uh, look forward uh, for your updates here on the Torrey Pines-Eastlake game. Uh, I believe that's the game you're headed to, right? Yep, I'll be heading there today. Uh, Really excited to see uh, Keone and uh, Mac Bingham swinging it against each other. 
Yeah, 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 no doubt. So we'll we'll be we'll keep our eyes out for the updates on that game and then uh, scores from around San Diego County. Jack, I really appreciate you coming on and taking us on the San Diego swing. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, bud. We'll talk real soon. I want to thank my guests today, Blaine Clemens, Ryan Ozella, and Jack Shannon for breaking down all of the playoff action across the state. Be sure to tune in to prepbaseballreport.com slash California as we are releasing content every day on the postseason, upcoming player ranking updates, and news about our summer events. Until next time, we'll see you at the yard.